Hey, happy Tuesday, everyone, and thank you for listening to the I-5 Corridor's Traffic Report. Got a basketball and prestige TV episode today, uh, previewing the NBA Finals, looking into the Celtics loss and what that could actually mean for the NBA, for the Portland Trailblazers' future. And then Shane and I say goodbye to Succession and Barry. So that's all coming up on this episode. Please remember, you can find all of our written work at i-5corridor.com, and we would absolutely appreciate the help with the subscription. So please consider that i-5corridor.com. Here's Shane. Hey, happy Tuesday, everyone. Welcome back to the I-5 Corridor's Traffic Report. Tyson Alger here, joined by Shane Hoffman. Whew, what a weekend that was between the TV, the sports, uh, the local sports too, uh, Oregon baseball, Pac-12 tournament champions. Let's check in with Shane here. Shane, you are not in Oregon right now. How's it going? How was your weekend? Doing well. I've been uh, been traveling a little bit. I, I went to Chicago for two days, two and a half days. I've been back home to Ann Arbor, Michigan for about two, two and a half days. And now I'm out uh, the uh, the tip of the world out here on the East Coast, uh, North Carolina. So we're uh, we're surfing a little bit or attempting to. And we're uh, we're we're knocking back some some beers, cooking up some food, and just having a good time with some college buddies for a few days. That doesn't sound all that terrible. When you go back to Ann Arbor, if it's like a two day stretch, do you have like a routine? Is it you go home enough, and you're young enough too that it hasn't been long enough that like when I go back home, is it's like every like ten years now, it's like you get excited to go to the grocery store because you might see somebody. I imagine you're probably not in right. that in that phase of life yet. Not yet. A lot of my um, friends there have actually finally moved on. I was kind of the only one that left home and really went far when it came to starting college. And everybody well, you're, else- on, you're on the I five corridor podcast. You haven't gone that right. Not far. too far. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Um, but they've kind of branched out a little bit, so I see less and less people. There's a few people I make sure to see, but you know, it was just kind of spend time with uh, some family. My sister gave me a tattoo that was pretty eventful, um, and uh, yeah, just kind of hang out a little bit. First tattoo? First tattoo. I'm glad that she was the one to give it to me. She's pretty – she does stick and pokes, but they're pretty professional, honestly. What? Uh, what's the pain level in, in that? I've, I'm, I'm tattoo-less. I've, I'm always curious. Maybe a, an I-5 tattoo in your in your future. Yeah. Logo get a, okay, so do I get my actual logo or do I just get, like, the actual, like, like freeway sign? Because my, my, my actual logo might be a little too vain. It depends. It, the pain the pain level, I think, is different for the different types of tattoos, um, where they are in your body, and then just use it. It wasn't terrible for me, um, but, you know, I've heard stick and poke is a little less abrasive as the actual tattoo gun. So we'll have to see. But, you know, I, I think you're right. You might have to go with the uh, the freeway sign on that. Yeah. So what what'd you get? So I got um, – and there's no meaning behind this ever. The thought, if I thought it would look cool. I got four – um, leafs that my sister drew and designed kind of falling down my right arm a little bit as if they were falling from a tree. Um, it, it's, it's less corny than it sounds. It's um, but it kind of like the Roy children at the end of the succession finale, because I'm, I'm trying to make is, a really poor transition. You're, you're the best. You're Although the best. I, I did think that maybe we're, we're going to talk succession and a little bit of Barry because, We've given you all enough time. It's been two days since the finales. Uh, let's let's just jump into a quick burst of sports first, just because that's what this podcast is about. 
the Miami Heat beat the Boston Celtics in Game 7. It's going to be Nuggets versus Celtics in, or sorry, Nuggets versus Heat in the NBA Finals. I'm predicting Nuggets in 5. Um, but I, I haven't talked to past six, yeah. I, I haven't talked to you in probably like a week or two about hoops. What'd you make of that series? And uh, are you as down on this upcoming series as the NBA audience analysts are? No. Because no one's going to watch Shane, apparently, because nobody cares about the NBA. Nobody cares about teams other than the Lakers and, and the Celtics. Well, right? When people say stuff like that, I, I get it. But it's also that's that's very casual fans that think that way. For me, like, and I don't I don't watch a ton of regular season hoops. You watch more than I do, probably. But I follow the league. I follow the storylines. And then playoffs, I've watched a lot. And, you know, I mean, either way in the series, you have a, a seriously great player, likely Hall of Famer, that will get their first ring. So that's in itself... You know, that's a cool angle. You have a lot of great Bam, out, bam out of Bayou. <laughs> right. <laughs> a lot of great personalities. Like, I can't wait to see. I mean, there's going to be a, a moment in one of these games where Jimmy and Jamal go at it. I was just about to say but, that, yeah. But they, they both back it up. I mean, the people, like, it's not Grant Williams getting into it with Jimmy, which was my favorite moment of that entire series. It's Jamal Murray who's been playing phenomenally. Um, so I'm excited because both teams have really great role players. They're complete teams. I don't see a world in which the Heat win. I'm not sure it'll be incredibly close either, but I'd like to see what you know what they can kind of pull out. How are they going to guard Jokic? Right. The the craziest thing about the Heat too are going into this game seven. I mean, on paper, Boston was a better team than Miami. Like they like Jason Tatum should be better than Jimmy. I mean, you know, you can go one on one versus the one through five, and I think Miami or sorry, I think Boston might have been more talented one through five, but. The crazy thing that Miami team can do is they won three games in Boston in that series, and two of them were blowouts. It's like it's right. like they they can kind of take the narrative and flip it. And I don't, I still don't quite know what it is because it's not like this is like a team that just shoots lights out from three. I mean, Duncan Robinson can hit a couple, but Jimmy Jimmy Butler is a terrible three point shooter. Like it's, it's a very just fascinating kind of grind they, they said it on the broadcast yesterday but they're like this feels like a 90s game it was just very kind of grindy um duke them out tough guy style of basketball and the only thing that worries about that worries me about that for miami is denver's a team that can score like 130 if they want to like they're just so yeah, efficient they offensively make it look, they make it look facile yeah i mean it's just and the other thing too is is denver's been so good at home they haven't lost at home in the playoffs not that they they can't but yeah, you're probably not going to go into Denver and, and pull off some big heist. It's possible. Um, yeah, you talked about Jimmy, not a good three point shooter, but keeps hitting him in big moments. Um, Caleb Martin, out of absolutely nowhere, was probably you could make the case that he was maybe their best player in that series. Oh, actually. dude, he was he was incredible. Yeah, and he was I think their best player in that last game, just in terms of pure offensive shot making. Um, but yeah, you mentioned the Celtics were more talented, and that's why. As they're marching back from down 3-0 and forcing Game 7, I was a little bit surprised and maybe the way it happened at times. But I can't say that. I was super surprised because they are better and they're just a dumber team that executes uh, poorly in comparison. Where does this series put Jalen Brown in terms of the, the Blazers' sights? You know, that, that, that's kind of so, the common name that's been thrown around the right. last couple of weeks with, with the Blazers having the number three pick. He didn't have so a great a, series. Yeah, there's a few angles here, I think. Um, the fact that he got an All-NBA nod means he's eligible for this monstrous contract. However, 
the CBA is changing in a lot of different ways. I'm not going to pretend I know all the intricacies, but I do know it's going to be harder for these expensive um, sell, uh, you know, what's the, the luxury, luxury tax teams to keep these teams together. And so when you have a, you, you know, when they go down 3-0, you're like, wow, they might get rid of Jalen, they might get rid of Marcus, and they might get rid of the coach as well. And then they storm back and you're like, okay, they're not going to get rid of everybody. But then, you know, Jalen in a game where he needed to be great because Jason Tatum hurt his ankle. And often when one of those guys is down or not shooting well, the other one tends to step up. And Jalen had, I think, eight turnovers. He just looked really, really tough out there. Um, it, not not in a good way. And I wonder now if that actually opens the door for the Celtics to be like, hey, we could pay this guy. But, you know, maybe we actually want to go in a different direction. My only thought, because the basically like the Jalen Brown option is like the we want to keep Dame, we want to build, put another star around him and like go for it. And you're kind of wanting a guy that can produce in the playoffs. And I mean, you know, Brown's still young. They've had several successful runs through the playoffs. But you really want to like spend another max contract type of guy on like another CJ McCollum, like a guy who can and, and Brown's a better player than McCollum. He's, he's way more rounded. But do you really want a guy who just like fills up the stat sheet during the regular season and then during the playoffs, like just leave it all to Dame? Like, I, I don't know if that's like the winning combination. Like, I, I just don't think that that's the route that they should go unless they have like three or four more moves that like are, are going to somehow make that work for them. What do you, what do you hear on what it was? Where is this May 30th? What do you want the Blazers to do? Because it seems like nobody is aligned. This is uh, this is going to sound weird, but like I would like to hear from the owners and the management and hear what their goals are for like I want to hear like a five year plan because if it, it which which is which which isn't going right which isn't going to happen, but it's like I feel I feel bad at times because Portland has a true basketball superstar, like one of the best top seventy five players of all time, who legitimately I will tell future generations of Algiers like I got to see Dame play. And like I do think that like there are a lot of cities who have bad basketball and don't have the stars and they just have nothing to appreciate. And so there's part of me that's like, you have Dame Lillard in your city. Just freaking appreciate it. They play good basketball. They're not gonna win an NBA title, but like whatever. They like, play okay you, basketball. Yeah. On the other hand, it's just like it just feels like Portland's been so stuck in neutral for like the last like five years because it's I'm so tired of like the the Dame's loyal, Dame's not going to leave, but, like, is Portland going to screw him out of a championship? Like, it's just a tiresome conversation, and that's tiresome on Portland's end, that's tiresome on Dame's end. I wouldn't be opposed to them just starting over. Like, trade Dame, trade the pick. Like, <laughs> don't trade the pick, but... Because I, I think the general consensus is the top three picks in this draft are pretty darn good basketball players. Right, I think if you get um, either, either Brandon Miller or Scoot Henderson would be a, a massive win... Scoot probably only makes sense if you also trade Dame. Um, but you're right. I mean, you, you think about the management and, you know, GM Joe Cronin's at the lottery and, and Bill Orm and somebody else, I think, were there talking to him and they got like a little side interview. And every question it seemed like Bill asked, at least from his reporting, it got kind of a, well, we're open to that. Well, we won't we won't close the door on that. Uh, well, that that could help a little bit. It just there, it doesn't really seem like there's a steadfast... Um, I, yeah, and and now there's like even part of me that's coming back around of like just keep Dame, play him, do the draft pick, and see what happens, and maybe that morphs into something like five or six, seven years down the round, like post Dame. Do you, you think there's any chance though that they stay at three and so they take a Brennan Miller 
and he makes sense for the roster, but do you think there's any chance that actually happens and Dame is somehow fine with that and they go into the season with this kind of concerted uh, direction and this energy that, that is positive? You trade Dame and the pick to the Lakers for Anthony Davis. You sign Austin Reeves. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's the other, the other problem is it's a really poor free agency class and it's really devoid of um, high-level wings, that the type that Portland's been looking for for like eight, nine years now, it seems like. How, how many years does Dame have on his... See, I mean, like the, the logical thing would be draft Scoot or Miller keep Dame for the year and just see like how those things play out for a year. And then maybe if maybe go gamble like the next off season or, or going into January, if, if it looks like the team's just garbage, like I, it's unfortunate that this is the summer where they need to go all in. It seems like just because as you said, it's a bad free agency class. There's not like a bunch of trades that make sense. Like they, they did get a really high valuable draft pick, but you know that might have been more valuable in other other years. It seems like. Okay, well let's let's do this then. I mean let let's give predictions. What what do you see happening as the next month or so plays out? Two I see them. I, I see them trading the pick, and and I'm not okay. going to throw out like hypotheticals, but I think I don't think the Portland organization is ready to like go full blown rebuild. I don't think they're ready to brand around somebody else other than Dame. Like I think that this is like. There's no, yeah, per- there's, there's, there's so much that goes into that. We, we probably don't even think about his, yeah. his, his face all over the city. And, and and it's been like a decade too. And it's like in Portland, isn't a city that has like a backup pro sports team that you can go and vet, like you can kind of, you know, yeah, who, en- who's enjoy who another the biggest athlete when Dame leaves in the state, even Bo Nix. That's what I was gonna say. It's, it's probably Bo Nix, or That's or a, or like a good player on the Timbers roster that I can't name because I don't know any of the Timbers players. <laughs> Actually, like it's probably in terms of uh, a whole career put together, it's probably Christine Sinclair for the Thorns, but that's not really our uh, our listener you've base. A, so. You've had a big piece on her in the back pocket now for what feels like some months. Yeah, and the Thorns haven't approved my interview request, so it's been in my mm-hmm. back pocket for a long time. So, Where anyways, we'll probably stay. Uh, okay, so what's your what's your prediction for the finals? Well, let me give my Blazers prediction. For oh, right, right, yeah, sorry. Years. Um, I also think they trade the pick, which I don't agree with. But I think they trade the pick, and I think they get back um, a wing that, if you squint hard enough, like, oh, you know, yeah. But he's not going to be elite. I mean, like, I'm thinking like a Tobias Harris type, like a not not elite player that doesn't actually move the needle that much, but well, is enough to if well, you really squint your eyes that the starting lineup looks good on paper. Like, like he's a guy that if you if you squint enough, he might be like a discount Brandon Ingram. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like that and would be the that would be the great type of player to pair with Dame. But I actually Brandon Ingram, it's that's a great name because. It, it, if Zion had been healthy his whole career now, or more of it, I actually think Brennan Ingram would be a gettable guy because I don't think he and Zion make a ton of sense together in the long term with the other pieces they have. But the problem is Zion hasn't stayed healthy. But that's a good name. I like that a lot. Would you trade uh, Would you trade Dame for Zion straight up? Yes, because you can make the injury arguments about Zion, but he will sell tickets. 
And think Dame about sells it this tickets. Way. Think about it this way, though. Dame's got how many more prime years? Two, maybe three. And then until he's unplayable, maybe four years. Right. Can you get four more total years if it's half years, quarter years out of Zion? Probably I would take the over on that. It's, maybe it's, maybe not within the length of that contract, though. Fair. No, that's a good point. I don't know. I, I would take Zion. I would. Despite It'd be fun. It'd be, at the very least, it would be fun. And well, he, he doesn't get to eat gumbo anymore. He's eating. I, like, I, he's eating I was, like, was going to say. Organic. I was going to say moving to moving to a great food city like Portland might not be the best for Zion, but he's leaving like the best food city. So, well, and he's gonna. He would probably just start eating. You know, like vegan banh mi's and stuff like that. I mean, he's got a lot of options. I think. It would make sense on paper in a lot of ways. Two nuggets and five. Uh, I'd like to say six, but well, because actually, I will say six because look, five makes sense, but the Heat seem to always win a game that doesn't make sense. Yeah. So like they could go, it could be three, it could be three zero, and they get the three one, and they finally get their Miami game, and then they come back, and it's like. Caleb Martin had 35 points and he hit eight threes and they beat they won game five in Denver for Denver's first home loss. It's like three two and then they steamroll in the game six or something like that. So I'll say six. I don't know well, if that goes six, but okay. If you didn't watch your prestige TV this weekend, this is probably the time to turn off the podcast if you've made it this far. But it is Tuesday, May 30th, and we no longer live in a world. Where on Sunday evenings on HBO, we get those piano keys just plucking at our heartstrings. How you doing? It was a fantastic episode. And the best part about it was that um, this trip I'm on with, with my three college roommates, or three of the, my college roommates, um, they one of them put me on to the show originally. We watched parts of it together. And then we hadn't been able to watch any of this season together, obviously. And we come back and it, our trip magically aligns with the finale. Perfect. It was, it could not have been more perfect. Um, so I was glad because you obviously you watch it with people, you get to bounce ideas off of them. Um, but no, it was, it was a fantastic way to end a fantastic series. And um, as much as I'm excited about what HBO has in, in store in the coming months and years, it will be a sorely missed show in my kind of weekly schedule. But now is, I think, when I start my rewatch. I uh, I go through this every time that like a show that I really really enjoy ends is it ends and then you think like man, what are the chances that something pulls me in like that again? Like it's always like especially Succession because I I watched the first episode of Succession like when it debuted like I was in from like the early get go and it was a little rough like the first like three or four episodes until you kind of got a flow for the characters but like I I enjoyed that show. I mean, I'll say it. That was my favorite show. Like, it's up there with Breaking Bad, and I actually really enjoyed Better Call Saul and some of those other ones. But um, I liked it better than Breaking Bad. But maybe I'm just I'm just older and I'm more. It's it's a it's a it's a it's a, it's a much different type of watch too. One's like yeah. action storyline plot, and then the other is like let's listen to people talk for. 100 well, episodes. that's what I was gonna say. You said you might not have another show pull you in like this. I can guarantee you, I won't have another show that is just essentially dialogue based. With right. business things that I don't really even understand, pull me in like this. Um, to finish that point, though, is like that's that's one thing that's I I do find still 
kind of magical about this world is then like a year later, like there's like a severance or like just something that comes out of the complete blue where you're like, oh my gosh, like I'm, I'm all in. So I'm definitely bummed Succession's over. I, I loved the finale. There were a couple things that, you know, like any other episode of television, you're like, oh, that was kind of weird. Or like, like I, I think Succession is a show that has been very clear that it doesn't show you everything that happened. So like my biggest thing was like, how does Shiv make that quick of a turn from like, you're pouring food on your brother, you know, the, 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 the smoothie for a King right. to so, going into the boardroom and flipping. And it's like, she, at this point, her and Tom are still talking. Like they probably went back home and had a conversation or, or well, there's, what. There's, yeah. Sorry, not to cut you off, but there is, um, and I, I can't remember the exact details and which characters were involved, but there's something in the episode in terms of the interactions between, I think it was maybe With Carolina, Carolina? Show, where you are, if you, if you die, uh, kind of if you digest that whole thing and, and pull it apart, you realize that Tom and Ship have to have talked. Yeah, it's uh, I th I thought it was perfect because it's nobody ends up happy. Like Shiv is now basically turned into her mom, like the kind of the powerless wife. Alongside, could honestly like, argue that Shiv in the long run is the most unhappy. Yeah, I mean, you you could make that argument on the other side too, like. And I've seen a little bit of this the last couple of days. It's like, yeah, she's signed up to be like the wife of the next Logan. But like, what are the chances that Tom lasts more than a year at CEO? I mean, he basically yeah, told, thought, yeah, yeah right. he, he basically told uh, Madsen, like, you know, I'm I'm an easily replaceable guy. I'm a yes man. I can do it. Like, and Madsen then goes, um, you know, I want to get with your wife and I need someone to act as a pain, pain sponge. And Tom's like, I am your guy. <laughs> He doesn't oh, necessarily man. carry the same gravitas as Logan does. Or but does. there, there, there was so, so many like between that or um, like when Kendall and Roman hugged, and Kendall literally, literally split his wound back open to like because that's like how the Roman character like it needs to be loved is through pain. Or mm. I, I love too. I, I saw an interview with Jeremy Strong where they said the last scene they filmed another piece where it was him actually running to jump off and the bodyguard grabs him. I'm glad that they didn't. Oh. I'm glad that they didn't keep that part. Like I liked the little kind of ambiguity at the end too, with like him sitting on the, like the bench and like looking at the water. But and I loved like the pullback shot too, because you can see the bodyguard in the background. It's like this dude can't even like escape like his like the failure of a life he's built now too, because he's got this guy always watching over him. So that's funny you said that. I didn't see that interview. I didn't know that they had shot a scene like that. But when we were watching that last. When it really starts to fall apart, when he's clawing at Rowan's face and he's going back and lying about what actually happened with the boy and saying he was just, he hadn't made it up. Right. You knew it was over then, obviously. But once it happens, he gets in that elevator. And one of the people I was watching with was like, He's going, he up, going or down. Down up or down. Yeah. There's been so much uh, imagery over the f past few seasons of him kind of seemingly on the verge of, of jumping. Even there's even one, I think, where Jerry's like, uh, don't jump or something, like jokingly. But we were we were like, what if you know? It's like, what if he goes up and then they're they're taking the new photo in that boardroom? It's like you just see the body falling. I thought, dude, that's what I thought. Or or when they were uh, at their mom's place and they were all swimming in the water and he was the first one to go in and they didn't show the, they kept the camera on Sarah Snook mm -hmm. and Kieran Culkin. I was like, he's going to disappear. Or he's going to drown. And I'm so glad he didn't because those wouldn't be succession. That wouldn't be a succession ending. Like this show mm -hmm. was just. This show was so unsentimental, even in its finale. Like there was no like final scene for Jerry. Like there was no like 
tying up loose ends here or there. It was just like, this was the story they wanted to tell. They told it and then it was done. Like it, mm-hmm. I, I, I loved it. I thought it was perfect. The thing that I loved so much about it, um, I thought the way that they, uh, that the siblings eventually decided on Kendall was really, really perfect for that situation. And then, I mean, the, the kitchen scene with them is like heartwarming because it's, I think they've gotten along at times that felt like truly the only time they've actually been siblings and like because like everything was off the table at that point too like they were done scheming they didn't have like you know their father like looking after them or or putting them against each other like it was yeah it was like let's celebrate one of them for a change i yeah i thought that i i thought that scene was another thing i saw about that scene too is like the actors in that show didn't like all get along like especially like sarah snook has said some things about like jeremy strong about how like it was you know like jeremy strong's a method actor and it can be a little intense i have to imagine like filming that scene was like fun for like all like they all it looked like they was just like go like have fun and like we'll film it and i i really think you kind of saw that joy in those characters and then that's just like yeah I, I hit like the pause button, saw there was still like 40 minutes left. I was like, oh, this shit's going to hit the fan here. Like, there's no way that yeah. they let these characters live in this happiness here. Well, it's just like, I mean, Shiv starts the episode like with this frantic energy. Like, she's I win. Yeah. And you're like, you know, this is this is cooked, right? It's over. And then, then that same feeling arises again when they're in the kitchen. I think that was actually, I saw a video of them like shaving Jeremy Strong's head when they had finished filming. I think the kitchen scene or sequence was actually the... Last final scene yeah shots um which is probably probably made sense for them but yeah that was great i mean licking the cheese and the smoothie and dumping oh on his God. head and that whole 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 thing was great um yeah what which which characters are which actors from this show could you see being bigger after this because i think it's tough like i i'm never going to see I, i'm never going to see kieran colkin as anyone other than roman roy you know what it's I mean? funny you asked me this um, last night. We actually watched The Big Short, which I had never Jeremy seen. Jeremy Strong's in that, isn't he? Right, and he has a, a fairly prominent role, and it's a similar character, but it's different in a lot of ways. And he was really good at it. But every time they showed him, because he's also he's kind of like a finance bro in that, and they show him with sunglasses or he's on the phone. I'm like, all I see is succession. I mean, of course, it's of course I'm going to see that like two days after the finale, but. Um, Bigger roles, I I don't know if I see anyone having a bigger role. I I could see uh, what's the guy uh, Matthew McFadden, the guy who plays Tom. Like that guy's that, that guy's one. just a freaking incredible actor as he is. Like I could I could see him. I could see him being actually. I think I heard someone else say this, but I could see him being a Bond villain. Like he's got some gravitas behind mm-hmm. him, and it'd be funny to see him play a character opposite of kind of like the the passive dopey. Um, I mean, I thought it was weird enough, like hearing Brian Cox do McDonald's commercials. Like, I, like have you heard those? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Do you uh, were there any other scenes you especially liked? Because a few that came to mind when you were just talking about um, Tom. Uh, well, I love when he called Greg the the most the most what was it most expensive um, assistant in, in in human history or something two hundred k and then he puts the the sticker the on stick the sticker the sticker on him I, I I loved that because like they're I don't think anyone wanted to see Tom and Greg break up and even though like no. I one I think I think two things happened one 
Tom realizes the position that Greg was in for four years of just like, hey, I got to figure out where the power is because I need to survive. And, you know, even down to like that final part, like he's trying to figure out where he's going to be able to survive. On the other hand, again, because as we said, it, we assume that Tom and Shiv had talked after, you know, before the board meeting. So maybe it found like they found out that because he didn't try to f screw Tom over. He just used the the translator app and heard that somebody else is getting the position. So I'm I'm hoping that he that did, got he swung he swung a crazy amount of uh just plot points with his information gathering and knowing when to use it at the right time. Dude, all this after season being, it was that. Yeah. Well, after being told that by characters like Tom and and Shiv of, of you know hold the information, then you you release it and they have some crazy way of explaining it, right? But he he did that so well and um, I mean, I, I certainly can't see him in anything else, but he was a pivotal. I mean, he's like the role player that comes in and hits enough he, threes and swings a game in the finals, you know? When he was going to, I believe it was Kendall, and he was like, I have some, if I give you something amazing, can, or if I give you something incredible, can you give me something amazing? And that just made me feel, think of like how awkward I am with sourcing. <laughs> <laughs> Because like you yeah. know I'm yeah transactional relationships aren't something I'm good at so um, I I just thought that was so goofy and the fact and, but the fact that like they took a character who was goofy who wasn't like traditionally um, mannered in the type of um, world this is of of like how fancy and culture and everything and he still got stuff done even by going about like as awkward as he was like the Greg character was never afraid to like stick his neck in something or like to just live in that awkward space where he's on the wall, but he's in the room. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Do you have uh, any other succession wrap up thoughts? I think they, I, I don't think they're going to, but this the finale didn't feel any more like a finale than some of the last series i mean the uh season finales like Certainly this was there's no different than the cliffhanger last year it's just like that this portion of the story is done so i and i think we both we can we can agree that we're glad it's ending but you could see the vision of another season oh a hundred percent and I, I i like that they did it that way too and that's not me saying that like oh down the road they're gonna do another season or maybe right, a movie too soon but, rather than too late yeah yeah but i just i i like that they did like a look in and it wasn't trying to like wrap every single piece up together because that's not how things work like life's messy like you're not gonna have like a perfect bow on everything and so um unless of course you're Barry, and I'm not going to ruin the Barry finale for you because you haven't watched the last two episodes yet. But um, right, I had an excuse for episode seven. I was flying out that night, so I couldn't. Um, and then I just couldn't. It didn't seem right to have. Would even if I had to have watched the finale of that after Succession, didn't make much sense to me. Uh, I'm not happy with HBO because I watched both of those on Sunday night, like back to back, and. Those are two shows that I've wa spent a lot of time watching the last four years, and to have them both conclude, uh, it was emotionally heavy. You know, I'm a think I'm a thinker, Shane, and that was uh, I didn't sleep well that night because you're trying to, especially watching Barry after Succession, you kind of like forget what some of the plot points are just because you're like still in kind of shock about what happened on that show. But I I liked the Barry finale. I know some people didn't think that the time jump worked that happened like the last like five episodes or so mm -hmm. i understand that i think it was a, a creative choice and i respect that they went with it like if anything like 
I think Bill Hader just tried to create like the show that he wanted to create in the moment that he did. I don't think he did like a whole lot of like, what's like the lasting impact on this or this or that. Like he kind of just went with it. The one thing I tweeted was the, uh, the Barry finale was 34 minutes. There wasn't a single show in the entire series that was more than 35 minutes. And, and I was just thinking about that after I very much enjoy Ted Lasso. I know you don't watch Ted Lasso. But part of the reason why I liked it so much in that first season is it was like a tight 30, 35 minute storytell. Like it was, they, this wasn't a world that I needed to learn about every character in. It was, it was just a, this tight, compact, funny, charming show for 30 minutes. And last week, last week's episode was like an hour and 15 minutes long. And I was just like, 40 minutes in, I was watching. I was like, what happened here? It's just, you know, I, I don't think like the world was that deep and rich and complex to, to, or the story was that important to turn like a, a 20, 30 minute show into like, it, it, when I was at the athletic, there was this tendency, like when everyone first started of like every story that's above 5,000 words must be a masterpiece. Like longer is better. Like that's not always the case. Like I, I very much respect um tv directors and showrunners that can't that have the discipline to keep things within um within the the what's the word i'm looking for within the reins that it should be it's just i i respect barry Mm -hmm. for never indulging itself more than it needed to so i i I lost steam both literally and figuratively with the show. I'm going to finish it. Um, But it was a bummer to kind of say that I lost steam in the last season on a show that I did love for two and a half, three seasons. So you, you obviously didn't, but what's your kind of ending point and feeling on that show? Well, my, I, I, and I understand why you and other people lost steam too. And like, I don't think it was as good the final like four episodes as it was the first two seasons and we've talked about this a little bit, but it used to be a funnier show. Mm-hmm. And I think they took, it was a funny show that was set in a very dark world. And I think as they were making the show, they realized that it's harder to keep this world so dark while being kind of light lights on the other side. And so when that show ended on Sunday, like, I don't, I'm not upset that Barry's over because I didn't want to spend any more time with those characters. Like it it just, Mm -hmm. it just wasn't really a fun hang anymore. I I think succession, I mean, like every, every character in succession was a bad person more or less too, but it was such a different world, you know, kind of like the elites and getting kind of just a, a peek into like the chaos and stupidity of the people who run us. Um, I was fascinated by that. And and with Barry, it was just like, all right, cool. I'm ready. I'm, I'm glad this is over. I enjoyed the four years of storytelling. Um, all things, all things on the side. I think Bill Hader's performance in that show was incredible, especially for a guy yeah, that was just kind of yeah. known as like a funny guy. Um, and, and honestly, from a director point of view, like, I don't know what I would have done differently. Like you're right. It's hard to keep it with that fine, kind of balance that equilibrium between funny and dark. I mean, that's, that's really hard to execute. Well, and, and that was a show that succession was too, but I, I do think it might actually be harder off for the 30 minute shows to have, they were interrupted by the pandemic. Like they did their first, I think two seasons, then the pandemic came and it was like, it just kind of felt like a different show on the other side, just because like, 
I, I, I don't know. It, I give it a solid B plus on the, on that, the I five corridor, give it a, a full series review B plus where mm-hmm. succession would have been Not an bad. A plus. Yeah. So succession's over. Barry's over. Apparently this pod, this podcast, this podcast well, might be over. We have nothing else. Sports to... are over. The NBA is on the verge of being over. What what does Tyson Alger do for the next two months? What does the corridor do for the next two months? Well, I kind of. Oh, I guess you were you weren't on the podcast last week. Um, I teased this last week, but beginning this Friday, I'm going to start. The corridor is going to be introducing you to the ten newcomers to the Oregon college football landscape that you need to know this season, whether it's through the transfer portal, whether it's recruits or coaches in new positions. It just feels like there's so much. It's hard to be a college football fan. Like if you're a casual and, and just trying to, who's on this team? Kind of hard to say I, when like 45, I, I, when like 45 dudes like transfer every off season. So we're going to take a look at guys like Jordan Birch at Oregon, D, DJU at Oregon state maybe some more unsung guys. We're going to go over to Portland state and talk about AC Patterson, the new offensive coordinator. Just it's June already starting this week, which is insane to me. Like we're going to be, we're like 60 days away from fall camp, man. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. We had floated this idea to me. And at first you were thinking a super mini series on just the transfers, but I think, and we haven't talked about this. this is the first I'm hearing about this actually, which is I think irregular for us, but I love I love where you pivoted with the idea. I think this is this is great. I think it makes more sense for the type of coverage you've done and, and the site as a whole. And I'm excited to contribute a little bit. What's on the dock at the rest of the day? You going to the beach? Went to the beach this morning. You know, we 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 uh, we rented the surfboard, but we we haven't really and no one has successfully picked anything up yet. It was like we get a surfboard for like twenty five bucks each, or we each pay ninety bucks for lessons. So we haven't done that. Um. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm really just kind of trying to relax a little bit. It's been a little stressful uh, time these last few weeks, kind of trying to find a you know, p- pivoting towards the two kind of because it's really just June and July. It's like if you can make it through June and July as a sports reporter, you're fine. Because once August starts, there's just so much to do and talk about and write about. So kind of trying to find a way to maximize my summer in terms of experiences. Because as you know, and the people who listen, to I. There's a lifestyle in terms of me cooking and eating out that I love. And <laughs> there's, then there's the side of actually supporting that financially. So kind of figuring that out, I think. Uh, what's the best thing you ate this week? We'll close on that. This week, eh, let's say we'll go fresh in the mind. Uh, last night we had some tacos. Um, well, actually, you know, I had a taco bowl. I had some tacos, had some wings that were great as well with a chili lime rub. Um, but this uh, this shrimp taco that my friend recommended, shrimp with this Asian slaw, and they put um, little bits of uncooked ramen noodles in it for a crunch. Oh, which interesting! I never thought about, and it was delicious. Are we talking like grilled shrimp or fried shrimp? Just grilled. Okay. Um, there was a there was a fried fish taco that was excellent as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's there's good seafood out on the east coast as well. Believe it or not. Yeah. Uh, best thing I had this week, there is a relatively new barbecue cart on Greeley called Wonder Boy Smoke Shack. Mm. They're kind of close to me. It's, it's actually a really cool kind of cart complex. There's this place called Bottles and Cans, where it's like a bottle shop. 
so you can get beer or whatever and then go hit the carts but they they have this thing called the uh um the beaferton cheesesteak it's basically a a barbecue's like philly cheesesteak and so it's like it's like brisket burn ends um peppers they have like a cake like a smoked queso in there but then they have like this big just burnt crispy cheddar crisp that they put on the top too Were you like sweating by the end of it? i'm not feeling good today is 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 It, it sounds delicious, but I think yeah like once you got to the cheddar crisp, I could I could maybe go without that in my head. yeah the it add it it added it i'm not a, i'm not a huge fan of like the the burnt cheese fad Neither am I. um but it did add an interesting crunch to the whole ensemble. So I, I'd give that a solid eight and a half out of 10, you know, nice little Memorial day snack. Not bad, not bad. Yeah, I feel like I've been kind of out of the whole world of Portland now for a few days. And I am, this is, I think this is the first time I'm really missing it, you know? I'm excited Okay. to get back. It was so nice there the past two weeks. All right. Well, when you get back, uh, next podcast, we're going to have to have you do a, like a book report on, like restaurant you ate at this week. So Mm. We'll see if I have the time and energy to put something like that together. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe pay me, bro. Like give me the money. <laughs> All right. We'll see you guys next week on the I five corridors traffic report. Thanks for listening. Oh, and if you're still here, subscribe to the website. Help us get through June, July. Fall camp's coming. We need gas money. Talk to you later And other things. and other things. Goodbye.